Let's continue on in our study of what we've been walking through over the past several weeks. So we will continue this up to, to uh, Palm Sunday, which is coming up pretty quickly, April the 13th. And on that Sunday, we will focus on the life of Jesus himself. And then on Easter Sunday, we've got something special that we're working on for that Sunday as we come forward. Because miracles do happen. Amen. Miracles do happen. And we serve a miracle, miracle-working God. Um, but you know what? When you're walking through something in life, it's great when you have an opportunity to talk to somebody who's already been there. Are you with me? Whether it's marriage issues, and we talk about that all the time because, guys, listen, if you're husband and wife, you're going to have problems. If you don't have problems, you've you, you got a problem. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, my mom and dad never fought, so we never understood why they got a divorce. I'm just telling you, if you're going to be in relationship with somebody, you're going to walk through difficulty. That's just the way it is. And so, but if I'm going through difficulty with Meredith, I want to be able to talk to somebody that's walked what I'm walking through. So I have no problem saying, Tom, how in the world do you put up with Sandy from time to time? <laughs> Meredith, Sandy, how do you put up with Tom? <clears throat> That's maybe really what I should have said because Sandy's the angel, right? Um, you know, when you're going through financial issues, you want to talk to somebody that's walked through the difficulties of financial issues and, and what they've happened. You want to be able to sit down with somebody that's been through. If I had somebody come to me in the early service and said, man, these are some things that we've heard about but we've never done and, and our life is, is, has been changing the past few weeks and we're so excited about, about what, what the future holds. You know, when you're walking through issues on the job, you want to be able to talk to somebody that's been able to endure when things aren't fair. And how did they walk through that time? And how did they continue to hold on when, when it was difficulty? Man, listen, when you got troubles with a child, you want to talk to a person that's been there before. Man, how did you handle that? How did you deal with that? How did you survive those, those issues and those times when things just, I felt like things were falling apart? And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been taking out some of the biblical characters because believe it or not, guys, they have something to speak into us. They've got some words of truth that are so applicable to us today. These are not just biblical uh, characters that have been written about, but these guys speak to us. And their lives can speak to us today. And we've talked about Noah and we've looked at Noah and, and Noah told us, listen, man, I want you to know even though you may be all alone, you can make a difference. We talked about the character of David, and David said this. Listen, I want you to understand that God blesses those who place themselves underneath authority. And then we came back and we looked at Joseph last week, and Joseph said to us, Listen, I don't care where you are, what you're walking through, don't give up. Man, when the stress is so much to the place that you're just ready to throw your hands up and throw in the towel, don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. And if there was ever a dreamer, it would have been this guy by the name of Joseph. You just need to learn to keep your mouth shut sometimes instead of telling everybody. But Joseph would come back and say, listen, don't give up, even if it take years after years after years. And don't let bitterness overwhelm you. It's not going to do you any good. And today we're going to look at another biblical character that's probably very familiar to most of us. We're going back to the book of Genesis. A lot of great characters in the book of Genesis. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at the story of a man by the name of Abraham. Can we talk to him just for a second? Father, what it is for us to be able to have the ability 
with such beautiful voices and great musicians to lift our voices to you and to declare your greatness. But this is what I know. Our faith is challenged every day in the workplace, in our homes, in our places of play. Our faith is challenged. Today, would we be able to hear a word from you that this character by the name of Abraham might speak into us? As he comes out of the stands, Father, for those of us that are struggling with our faith and trusting God, may, may today be a monumental time in our life that something clicks because of something that we might learn from Abraham and his life. Help us today because we all need an enduring faith. We all need to enlarge our trust in you. So teach us something today that will be of a benefit to our lives as we're on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. If there was anything that was probably known about Abraham, it was that Abraham's name was mentioned so many times in, in corresponding with faith. Um, he was known as a man of faith. He was known as the father of faith. Um, and there's so many stories that we pull from the scriptures that Abraham teaches us. And I said this at the end of the other service. The stories of our lives and what God has done and the stories that we tell our children are the stories that, that, that will help them gravitate towards the Lord and understand the, 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 the fullness of his greatness. And I want to say that to you because so many times in life we're holding on to somebody else's story and we've never experienced God in the fullness of his power. And one of the reasons is because we're people who lack faith. And so I want to say this as we look at these, as we look at these stories today, I pray that the stories are just going to jump off to you because we're going to take a few of these stories and we're going to unpack them. And I'm going to, I'm going to sort of try to come back to say this. At the ending of everything, if Abraham were to walk alongside of us today, the one thing that Abraham would say in the midst of it would be trust God. But Abraham learned to trust God. He just didn't trust God. He learned to trust him because as he got to know him and as he, as he spent time with him and as he walked with the Lord, he learned that he could trust him. And basically, trusting is this, when we let go. But Sherry, we don't like to let go a lot of times, do we? We want to handle it because we can't always understand it. See, faith isn't exercised when we've got it all understood. Faith isn't exercised when it's predictable. Faith is exercised when we don't know what's next. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like to walk by faith. We like to walk by sight. I can see it, so that's the direction. But let me tell you what, faith is when we walk towards God and we don't know what's next, that's hard. But that's faith. And the Bible, Bible says that Abraham was a man of faith. Um, so I wonder to myself, what is it that we can learn from Abraham and his story that might help us enlarge our faith? But if Abraham were to come out of the stands, one of the first things that I think he would say to us is this. And you might want to write it down. down. God always does the right thing. God always does what's right. How many of you, this week, you've questioned whether or not God got it right or not? Raise your hand. Don't, don't tell me to fib. Tell me to fib. Tell me the truth. If you're real, and if you're honest, 
there are going to be those times when we like go, you got to be kidding me. I don't understand this. God, are you sure? Because it sure doesn't make any sense to me right now. God, you mean to tell me that what you're doing and what's going on in my life is, is, is right? That what you're doing and what you're allowing me to walk through, that it's right? How many times do we say, oh, I believe God and God is a great God and God's got it all under control. But that isn't surely how we live, Jerry. Man, we like to manipulate things so that they sort of fit our patterns. We like to, to take our husbands and we like for them to do what we want them to do, right? Husbands, we like to, do, like to take our wives and we want them to do what we want them to do instead of sitting down and spending time in prayer. Ladies, thank you. And man, I encourage you Friday night to be here for that time of prayer because it's going to be an awesome time, a great time. But the, one of the first things that I think that Abraham would say was God always does what's, what's right. God is so much bigger than our ability to be able to understand. But how many times do we face situations, yet we still struggle trusting God with the outcome? See, this is what I know about my kids. I wish that I could get down to the place that my kids didn't ask me the question. Your kids ever ask you that question? Why? Just because? Well, why because? Just because? Man, I don't I wish that my kids would just say, Dad, I trust you. You don't have to tell me why. You don't need to come up with an explanation. But God, I trust you because I know you and I know that, that what you do is always the right thing. How do you think our Heavenly Father, what He expects from us? Have you ever thought about that God would love for us to be able to know Him to the place that we didn't ask the questions of why? There's nothing wrong with, with questioning God. I mean, Jesus Himself questioned. Go back and look. But there's something that's different about those of us that have come to the place to say, I believe with all of my heart that God does the right thing. See, people of faith, we trust. We trust God because we know God. Not because we understand Him, but we believe out of experience that God will always do what's right. But there are those moments. There are those moments that we wonder, Man, does God even care? I mean, maybe it's been like the text message that I got earlier. My mom's in the hospital and they say that she's on the edge and the next couple of hours will dictate which, 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 what happens. And as we prayed as a family, we've said, God, she's yours, not ours. May your will be done. Maybe, maybe you thought that uh, you've experienced that moment where, where there was that unexpected sickness or Maybe somebody died before it was their time, or it was that loss of job, or unfair treatment. Anybody ever had unfair treatment? Yeah. Yeah, God, where are you in the midst of this? You're supposed to be a fair God. Maybe things didn't turn out the way that you, that you thought. But I want to show you a story, three stories. I want to start out in Genesis chapter 15. And let's talk about Abraham and his faith, because here are three specific stories that I want to sort of bring into play today. And the first one we find in Genesis 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And let's read it together. Because this is what it said. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a visit, in a, in a vision. So now the Lord's coming back to Abraham, and there was a time when he had promised him that he would be the father of many nations. And things hasn't, hadn't gone as planned. They hadn't been on his time frame. So the Lord comes back to Abraham, and this is what it says. He says to him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. 
But Abraham replied, he said, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? God, I hear what you're saying, and I know what your plan is, but the facts are the facts. And it just don't seem to be working out the way that you say it's going to work out. I still don't have a kid. It goes on to say, since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth, and you've given me no descendants of my own, so, my, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. Don't get uptight. Don't get upset. No, he's not going to be your heir, for you will have a son who will of your own who will be your heir. Abraham, just take a breather. How many of us have a relationship with the Lord that he speaks to you and you're listening? Wow. And then the Lord takes him outside. and Look at what he says in verse 5. The Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, I want you to look up into the sky and I want you to count the stars if you can. And that's how many descendants you will have. Now, this has a whole different meaning to me after watching that Hubble movie at, at, at Kennedy Space Center. When I saw what I saw, man, I could understand how Abraham would have been confused. To look up into the sky and to see some of that, oh, it was unbelievable. But I know that Abraham didn't understand. He didn't have a grasp on what God was telling him. And here's the Lord explaining it to him. He's, I mean, he's pointing it out. Look, just as, as the sky is filled with multitudes of stars, so will be your descendants. And Abraham just had to be thinking, I, God, I hear what you're saying, but I sure wish you would have started this process a lot earlier because it sure ain't looking good. Now, Meredith wasn't 89 years old when she got pregnant, but I tell you what, those 12 years that we spent dealing with infertility felt like an eternity. Eric, you've, you and Jen have been there. I mean, it felt like an eternity, and, and man, we prayed, and we cried, and we pleaded, and we went before the Lord, and I, and I have to be reminded that even though we don't always understand God's time frame, that God always does what's right, always does what's right. In the New Testament, you've got the story of Lazarus, when here, Lazarus has died, and Jesus had waited, and if you remember that, when he arrived, people went, where in the world have you been? If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, Lazarus wouldn't have died if you would have only been here, Lord. No, <laughs> I got it under control. What are you so uptight about? What are you so impatient about? But he didn't understand. Abraham didn't. Un I know he didn't understand because look and see what happened in Genesis chapter sixteen. He takes hand takes things into his own hands. Since God wasn't doing what he thought in his time that he should do, Abraham does one of the dumbest things. You ever been there? You've done something dumb before? Yeah, we do that from time to time because we get restless and we don't, we're not patient. And this is what it says. Now, now, Sarah, Abram's wife, was not able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. It's the Lord's fault. Go and sleep with my servant. Let's just move to plan B. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Isn't that dumb? Don't you dare point a finger. How many times have you done something? How many times have, have, have you got out ahead of God? 
How many, how many times have you taken things into your own hands? Do you know when we take things into our own hands is usually at that moment when the pain becomes almost unbearable? Are you with me? Dottie Nelson, you're just back there just a grinning and laughing. We want to, yeah, we, we, when, it, when it's at that place, there's that, you're sitting on the edge Sitting on the edge and having to make a decision and there is a wrestling that's going on in our lives. And what am I going to do? Am I going to trust God or am I going to flip over the edge and I'm going to gravitate and I'm going to make something happen? What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? Lord, since you haven't handled it, I'm going to handle it. The son that was born from that relationship between Hagar and Abraham, his name would be what? Ishmael. He would be the father of the Arab nations. And this is what the angel of the Lord spoke to them in Genesis 16, 2. This son of yours, Ishmael, will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. And he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in an open hostility against all of his relatives. Is that true? Yeah. Do we ever think that when we take the decision making in our own hands and we're, we're not going to trust God, do you ever think that our decisions have eternal consequences? Do you ever think they have earthly consequences? May you remember this. How many times do we get impatient, not understanding, and we settle for less than God's best? Talking about timing, I want to go back to the New Testament. I guess I would go this way. Old Testament, New Testament. I want to take you back to a passage in 2 Peter because it's talking about the second coming of Christ, but in dealing with impatience, this is such a great verse because the Lord, sometimes it seems that he is, that he is, uh, that, that, that he is just tearing and it's just not happening, but the Bible says something about why God is patient. And it says this in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow, slow, about his promise, as some people may think. No, he's being patient. Patient. For your sake, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he desires that everyone repent and turn. See, patience is, a, is one of those important things, and it's a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is one of those things that we gain when we say, okay, God, here I'm going to lay it in, in your hands, and I'm going to trust you because you're great and you're in control. And I believe that. That's important. That's hard. But Abraham would say, God is in control and you can trust him to do what's right. Because I've experienced it. The second thought I want you to write down is this. God always does what's right, even when it seems crazy. You've had those moments, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, really? Abraham is, what, 99 years old? Sarah's in her late 80s. And God says, okay, now it's time. And this is what we read in Genesis 18. Then one of them said, then the Lord said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Guys, listen, let me tell you something. This is a real important word. Your wife hears everything. You may think she misses it, but she doesn't miss anything. Here it is. She was listening from, out, from, from, from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So her response, 
It says she laughed silently to ourselves. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh? When did she say, why, why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Man, and here's a great question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? When's the last time you've come upon something you said there's just no hope? Isn't that a great statement? In the midst, is there anything too hard? Is there, is there, something, is there something that I've said that's going to take place that... I can't make happen. You ever made a promise and broke a promise? Yeah. And here's the question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. NIV, the New International Version, uses the word appointed time. In other words, I will return at the appointed time when it's, when it's time next year and Sarah will have a son. Um. Wow. I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 4 for a second. Let me show you something. Because I think this is a really important passage that ties in here. Um, because what was going on in Abraham's faith when God was tearing? What was happening in the midst of that time? Was, was Abraham wavering and was he wondering and was he questioning? I want you to look and see what it says in Romans chapter 4 verses 19 to 21. And it says this, And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Do you, does, does your faith in the midst of your, your trials and, and the tribulations that you face... Do, do, are you leaning into God or are you leaning away from God? I mean, Bill, I mean, in the midst, when Wanda is not doing what you want her to do, okay, and things are rough at the home front, are you leaning into God or are you leaning away from God? When things aren't going well at work, are you leaning into God or are you, are you leaning away from God? Is your, is your faith growing stronger or is it weakening? Because I love this, and look at what it says the next, the next part of that passage, and in this, he brought glory to God. Why did he bring glory to God? What was the result of his glory being brought to him? What, what caused the glory to be brought, brought to God? Yeah, but what was, the, what was the thing? Abraham's what? His faith. Man, listen, it was, it was his faith brought glory to God. Does your faith bring glory to God when you exercise it? Yes. Yes. You mean to tell you why so many of our churches are dead today? Why so many people on the outside don't believe? Because the faith that we have isn't really faith. I'm going to tell you what. Man, you see a person of faith, you'll see a person of influence. That's the way it is. And it says here, Abraham's faith brought glory to God. He was fully convinced, not partially convinced. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he Promise, because God was a promise keeper. When you're walking through the difficulty, I know you got those times that you go, eh, I don't really know. Faith is that holding on when things don't make sense. It's those steps that we take when life isn't predictable. 
forsaking all, I trust Him that even though I don't understand, I'm going to continue to move ahead and I'm going to hold on to the promises that God said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, one step at a time. See, the story that I don't tell many times, and Dottie knows this, and a couple other people close to me know this. Dottie, do you remember the time that I walked into the office and I said, I don't understand this. I was in a prayer meeting. I, was at a, I met with a group of, of guys for 10 years, 15 years that I met with those guys. And the morning that I walked in and I looked at, I don't know if you remember this, but I said, I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense, but God's told me that Meredith will give birth in a year. You remember I told you that? And I didn't understand that, but God had spoke to me. I had an option. I could hold on to that promise, or I could let that promise go and say, there is no God. And in that, I kept holding on to that, holding on to that, holding on, because I had heard God's voice. And even in the midst, when Meredith was struggling, we thought we had lost Abby after she had gotten pregnant. I kept saying to myself, and after I, man, listen, I got down to the place I was raising my fist and saying, God, I don't understand why you've brought us this far. Why in the world did you allow her to get pregnant if she was going to miscarry? This doesn't make any sense to me. But the peace that came over to me to say, God, even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to, I'm trusting you. You're going to wrestle with the Lord. You're going to have difficult times. You're going to have struggles. Man, you're going to have those times when you just go, man, you got to be kidding me. But our faith is what comes out of that. And where are you? Are you a person of faith? But Abraham said, would say to us, God always does what's right, even when it seems crazy. The third thought is God always does what's right, even when it might not feel right. The next story we'll look at is Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's God getting ready to destroy the place. That's where we get the word sodomy. That was what was going on in this area. Um, and Abraham, the problem was Abraham had a nephew that lived there, him and his family. And so Abraham goes before the Lord to petition the Lord. And, and in the midst of that, this is what it said in Genesis 18, 23. God approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous? You've got to hear this. Well, God, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? I mean, I understand the wicked people, get rid of them. But the righteous people, come on, you've got to be kidding me. And so Abraham goes before the Lord and he said, okay, Lord, what happens if you can find 50 people? Will you, if I can find, what about 45? If I can find 45 people that, man, that are righteous, okay, I got it covered. What about 35 and 30 and 20? And he gets down to the number of people that we suppose that maybe was in, in Lot's family. And he said, if I can just find 10 people, 10 people, and we would go, but that's just not fair. You ever said that? God, it's... Doug, have you ever looked and said, God, that's not fair? Bradley, that's just not fair. Nowhere in Scripture do you see that God's character is fairness. You don't find it in Scripture. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God is a fair God. No, it says God is a just God, and He is a righteous God, and He will punish sin. And you know what? Sometimes sin bleeds in to affect those around us who don't have anything to do with it. That's just the way it is. God is a, not a fair God, but He's a just God. And He is a righteous God. A God who always does what's right, even when it doesn't feel right. 
See, the, the writer in Proverbs had it right. He said there is a path each before each person that seems right. There's something that seems right, that feels right, that everybody else seems to do. But he says, what about that path? But it leads to death. Man, don't let your feeler get you all messed up. Go back to the truth. What does the truth have to say? And then the fourth thought is this. God always does what's right regardless if we understand or not. In this part of the story, we see Abraham, Isaac has been born. The Lord speaks to Abraham. He said, listen, I want you to take your son up to the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. To which we go, you've got to be kidding me. You, you want me to sacrifice what I waited all of my life for, which, I, which you told me that would be the son that would that would multiply my descendants like the, like the stars in the sky. You now want me to, to take him up and you want me to sacrifice him? Mount Moriah, that's the place that you'll see that gold dome, the Dome of the Rock. That they announced, that's where they believe, most scholars believe that that was where he would, he would march him up to. That's a, it's a picture of it. But they would march him up to that, to that place. And, and you go back and the scripture doesn't say that, man, Abraham struggled with God and he wrestled with God. But it said, no, he prepared himself and on their way they went. And if you remember the story, Isaac would say, well, okay, where's the sacrifice out? And God will provide. God will provide. Instead of looking at this story in the book of Genesis, I want you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's read it from here. Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. And this is what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It was by faith, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son from whom your descendants will be counted. This was what Abraham said. This is how he made it through that time. Look at this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back again. Wow. Okay. Whatever you say, Lord, I've walked with you long enough. I've come to trust you long enough that I know that if this is what you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what I'm going to do. Up the mountain he goes. He loads him up, and they're on their way. I mean, how in the world could somebody do something like that? Unbelievable. I remember sitting on the porch after Abby had been born. And I share this, guys, with you because there are monumental times, there are monumental times in my life that God has spoke to me, and I've sensed God's presence. And I remember what God spoke to me, and Abby goes, Daddy, don't, don't remind me of that. But I remember sitting on the edge, and I was looking out on the, the Florida room, and I was right on the edge, and God spoke to me, and he said, give her back to me. She's not yours. Give her back to me. She's not yours. She's mine. And I wonder if Abraham had the same thought. I've waited all my life to have this child. God, I'm giving her back to you. I'm giving him back to you. He's not mine. He's yours. The psalmist got it right when he said, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. 
God has a record of doing what's right. All the time, he does what's right. And so we're running this race with, with Abraham. We run in this race, and Abraham makes his way out of the stands, and he walks alongside of us, and he whispers in our ears, you can trust him. You can trust him. See, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what issues you may be dealing with in life, but this is what Abraham would say. You can trust him. I know because I've been there. And see, some of you here have that same story. See, Jim, you've walked with the Lord when things didn't make sense, and they seemed to be crazy, and you didn't understand it. But you've held on, and through that, you've come to know him. But Abraham would say to us, quit trying to understand everything. Quit trying to understand it all and make the goal of knowing him. Just a couple of last things that I think are side notes that Abraham might whisper to us. Um, I think that he would say this. This isn't your home. This isn't your home. Do you hear me? This, 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 this isn't our home. This isn't our home. And I think Abraham would say, listen, always keep your bags packed. And think of your life here on earth as like a mini vacation. Because you're just a pilgrim passing through. Paul would say, I'm not a citizen of earth, but I'm a citizen of heaven. And this is what it reads in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. And even when they reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith. For, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac, and so did Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And Abraham was confidently looking to a city with an eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. And I think I would hear Abraham whisper to us, <laughs> don't get settled here, because this isn't your home. The second thing that I think that he would whisper to us is this, Live with an eternal perspective. Abraham would say, live with an eternal perspective. How are you using your time? How are you using your talents? How are you using your resources? How are you using your conversations? How are you using your lunch meetings? How are you using your days at the office? How are you using your time on the ball field? How are you using your time with an eternal perspective? Hebrews 11, 11 12 goes on to say, and so a whole nation came from this one man who is as good as dead, from the world's perspective, that is. A nation with so many people, like the stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore, there was no way to count them. And I want to back up just for a second. For those of you that may say, I'm too old. There's nothing that God could do now in my life that would have an impact on eternity. Shame on you. Here's Abraham near the end of his life, and God does something that is so unbelievable that he would multiply it. For those of you that are here, they're saying, man, my time is up. Your time isn't up. I sat in that Kennedy Space Center and I thought, man, if I was five or six years old, I'd probably want to go back and be an astronaut. 
Well, I can't go back and be an astronaut. That's just the facts of life. But I tell you what, there are some things that I can do on this earth. I can live as God called me to live, and I can have an impact on what takes place in the next generation, and so can you. So can you. Verse 13, and all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised on earth, but they saw it from all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things, looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for that country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he's prepared a city for them. You know the passage, you know the passage of Scripture, Jesus said, Trust in God, trust also in me, for in my Father's house were many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. A heavenly city prepared for his children. So here's Abraham coming out of the stands and walking amongst us, teaching us, helping us to understand all that he had learned in life, breathing that breath of life in us, saying, you can trust him. You can trust him. You know how, Tim? You know why? Because let me tell you what he did in my life. What did he, let me tell you what God did. See, there's something about walking by faith and seeing what God does you want to ask us some stories, we can tell you some stories. Because there are some things in my life I have personally experienced. And because of that, wow. And Abraham would say to us, trust him. Trust him. Amanda, trust him. Scott, trust him. Even though we don't know what's next, what we do now demonstrates that we can. There is no faith needed if it's all predictable and understandable. But our faith comes when we take one step at a time. When we can't see around the corner, but we say, even in this, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to ask if Brian will come up, and we're going to end our service like this today. Um, we had a special time of prayer in the early part of the first service. But I believe that there are some of you here that are at some major points and decisions in your life. And it may be something personally that you're struggling with and you're needing an answer from the Lord. It might be something that your spouse is dealing with and you, you're, you're praying on their behalf. It may be something that a child of yours, a family member, a friend. But you would say today, my heart is heavy. And God, today I want to bring this to you and I want to symbolize my trust by, 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 by coming and kneeling or standing. Some of us are getting old and our knees don't bend as well. Maybe it's just standing. Maybe it's just coming up and standing but saying, Lord, I want to give this to you today. But I want to recognize and acknowledge my dependency on you that I so much desire to trust you. When I don't understand it, it doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem fair, it seems crazy. But I want to trust you. Maybe it's a business decision. I don't know what it may be. But today, as Brian 
Brian plays, you're just here and you're saying, I want to enlarge, I want my faith to be enlarged, and I want to be a man that trusts God as Abraham did. And if that's you today, and there's something you're saying, God, I want to give it to you, just as a symbol of obedience. If that's you, just want you to come up here and you can kneel and pray and talk to the Lord. Stand if you want to. And then what I want to do is I want to close us out in prayer. But if you want to do that while Brian plays, we just feel so much led to do that today. Because we want to be a church of faith, a people of faith. So I'll give you a chance to respond.